0: Hey, guys. Here we
1: go. The basketball world. Touchdown. Touchdown.
2: Touchdown. Sports 845. I am Darren Kunis, and this is the award-winning Sports 845 podcast. And by the way, folks, you could reach either one of us, any of the hosts, on Twitter, you can get in touch with us by going to at Darren Kunis or at Botch56. That's B-O-C-H-5-6. Any questions, statements, insults, feel free. Send them our way and we will respond. Sports 845 is brought to you by Gold Dental at 60 Jefferson Professional Plaza right here in Monticello, New York, the uh, official dental office of all of Section 9 and beyond, and the wonderful people at Berkman Financial. And you can get in touch with Berkman Financial by simply going online to berkmanfinancial.com or danny at berkmanfinancial.com, or you can call on the phone at 646-753-5554. You know, Danny, Section 9 uh, basketball season has come to an end. Section 9 has come to an end. Now we get to the state tournament. Danny, I want to tell you this. I didn't go to many games. I did go over to Mount St. Mary's where they do a wonderful job there. They really do. Section 9 does a good job. They put on the tournament there at, at the you know the championship games at Mount St. Mary's. And I attended the Monticello New Paltz game, the Class A final. It was a good game. 67, 69, 67, two-point game, overtime, uh, you, you didn't leave the game blaming the officials. You didn't leave the game blaming either coach. You left the game saying it was a good game. Both teams played well. It, it was a very spurty game. Monticello up seven going into the half. New Paltz goes to a zone. Monticello, not the best shooting team. At least they weren't that night. And, you know, New Paltz hit big shot after big shot. They win the game. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think New Paltz or Monticello are going are a threat to win to make a run in the States. I really don't.
1: That's an honest opinion.
2: Uh, but New Paltz won, and I guess it's their third straight year getting to the championship game, so they finally got a win there.
1: Yeah, that is their uh, third Section 9 title. And, you know, Darren, by all accounts... Wait, it, is it their, their third Section 9 title game? It's
2: their first title in three years, no? Correct. I, okay, correct. go ahead.
1: But, you know, like you alluded to earlier, you know, uh, with Monticello in the outside shooting, by all accounts, New Paltz obviously did some studying, watched some film, Right. And they said, hey, we're going to pack it in. We're going to play a zone. We're going to force Monticello to beat us from the perimeter. And my understanding is they didn't shoot very well from the perimeter, hence the loss. Because they're a big transition team. Very fast. You know, that kid oh, Gatling's a and nice they, player.
2: And they need to score to get into that press. And that, you know, when New Paltz went to zone, Monticello couldn't score. So it was a double whammy. They couldn't set up the press.
1: Exactly right. And they forced him to beat him from the outside. And, you know, they, they couldn't do it. Uh, by all accounts, that's one of the games I didn't get to see. Uh, I'm glad you were able to go. But I have some people that were, you know, kind of keep me in the loop on the game. And, uh, you know, good for New Paltz, you know, good for Monticello. Russo's got a nice thing going on there. So uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, getting through the rest of this tournament. And what I, when I say I don't think either one of those teams, well, let's say New
2: Paltz can win many state games, if any, I am rooting for them. Now, let's talk about a team, or maybe two, that can make a run in some state games. You watch Newberg. You have a uh, very good uh, interview with the Newberg, Newberg head coach that is on Twitter already, And what are your thoughts on Newberg?
1: Newberg seems to me, you know, they've dealt with adversity a bunch of times this year, uh, down to suffering um, multiple uh, big-time games. They've beaten Shenandoah, which is the Section 2 AA champ. They've beaten Baldwin out of Long Island, Section 8 AA champ. They've beat Fordham Prep, which is the New York, you know, Catholic high school. They're the A champ. And they also beat the number 1-ranked A-team in the state, which is Albany Academy. That says a lot. I think the folks are going to really enjoy the interview that I did today. I did with Coach Dino and Amari Tice, their um, junior standout. They were very gracious. I'm I'm glad they allowed me to get They know, have a lot of guys coming get to back, that. back, too, right? They Danny? do. They have a very young team, uh, Jalakai King, who uh, lit it up on Saturday morning for 31. Their transition game is really tough to beat. You know, I don't want to say destined, um, but they have the tools absolutely to get to that Final Four up in Glens Falls. I know I will be at their game tomorrow. Tomorrow they play a very disciplined, fundamental team in Horace Greeley at a Section 1. That game is at SUNY New Paltz tomorrow, 4 p.m., That is going to be a great game, a real, from what I see, again, I've seen Newburgh play a few times, excellent in transition, biggest team I've seen them had to play in a while. They can attack the rim. Against the fundamental team, it's going to be two different games. I would imagine Horace probably wants to slow the game down a little bit, you know, and in and out, inside game, outside game, they can shoot from the perimeter. They do have a legitimate big man as well, and as we know. Transition basketball is what Newburgh likes to do, but I think Newburgh can do both. It's going to be a really, really good game, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know taking it in tomorrow and hopefully they get that win and move on to the next round. In the boys,
2: I, I, I think I could speak for both of us. We're both rooting for New We're both rooting for Newburgh. Tell
1: me about Marlboro. Marlboro boys. Yes. We're Very, staying with boys right now. The, yeah, Marlboro boys uh, shot the ball well late. You know, Chester was winning majority of the game. Uh late in the game, CJ Faircloth, you know, came across the middle Kevin Stein, and what I thought was not a leg- was not a flagrant foul, but it was called a flagrant. It looked like he almost clotheslined the kid. Okay, I think Stein more or, more or less slipped and kind of caught him. That's two shots in the ball. That was a turning point in the game. It was. Now they didn't hit the they didn't the free throws, but this kid Faircloth played really well. Kevin Stein probably had an average game at best. I've seen him play better before, but I'm telling you right now, and I say it every week, that kid never complains. He gets up and down the court. He hustles well. Kudos to Marlboro. You know what? They deserve to win. They shot the ball better late when it was crunch time. They won when they had to, and it's and then even with they took like a six seven point lead, you know Stein gets fouled, hits both free throws, then they have a, a inbound violation, they get the ball back, Stein buries a three. Now it's a three point game, real really good game and fast pace as well, and good for Marlboro, and I also got to see the Marlboro girls earlier.
2: Girls. Uh, Dick, our partner, who's not here tonight, away on vacation in Florida, we'll speak with him later. Dick said all season long he's never seen a team play defense, including the boys like the Cornwall girls. Cornwall goes to up to Mount St. Mary's and knocks off Warwick. They win the Section Nine
1: title. Um, Double A uh, Monroe, who uh, they, there was only really uh, no was, Cornwall beat Warwick. Cornwall beat Warwick. But I'm saying Mon- Monroe in, beat VC. Right? Monroe beat VC, and then the B game that I happened to go uh, watch, I watched Marlboro play. On Tiora and from the get go, Marlboro took the lead and they really won going away. Um good guard play, Aaron Lafaro, one of the spot uh, spotlight eight four five athletes, uh played really well, a lot of boards. Uh, her sister Lizzie could shoot the ball, and they all really contributed. Very disciplined team. Um, you know, coach got 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 into them a little bit, and they uh, you know, they really took to it. They reacted and they really won that game going away. I'm really looking forward to watching Marlboro play. I believe they play Wednesday night over in Westchester, but I don't know the time or who their opponent is. I try to get as much info as I can. And for all you folks out there listening, don't hesitate to shoot a message or shoot me a, you know, follow me on Twitter, send something out there. I do the best I can to follow. Um, you know, the New York State, I was on the website today, it doesn't really show the brackets or anything, so it's kind of hard to follow if we don't get help from, you know, our listeners. I do the best that I can, mm-hmm. as you do and Dick does, but... uh It sure makes for a good tournament coming up. We have the Marlboro, you know, boys and girls, right? Monroe Woodbury girls, Cornwall girls, and we have uh, Newports and Newburgh boys. So, Section 9 looking to really represent in this tournament. I'm looking forward to it. Danny, I said Mount St. Mary's does a great job, and they do. By the way, the best timeout
2: uh, dead ball music of any arena I've been to. Mount St. Mary's, whoever does that could be DJing at a wedding. The guy's that good, whoever sets up the music there. Section 9 did a good job. Got a lot of people there. Was well publicized. Um, For a lot of the games, it was standing room only. Here's my problem. to pick uh, One bone to pick? You want to have the games all day, that's fine. Have the nightcap, and the nightcap should be the double-A game. The nightcap should be the... Have it a 7 p.m. tip, or at least a 4 o'clock tip. Make the, you know... Later in the day, the double-A championship game should take place. It should go by section. B, uh, you know, uh, C, B, A, double-A. Starting the game at 10 a.m., any game, is ridiculous. It's really, really, it's dumb. It's a dummy move. You don't have a game at 10 a.m., especially the double-A final. Makes no sense to me whatsoever. If we can get someone from Section Nine, if they want to call in, or if maybe we can get someone next week, I would love to know why the why the Double A game is tipping off at 10 a.m. in the morning.
1: I have no idea either. I tried to find out the answers. Some people that I trust, nobody really seems to know. Makes it, no sense. It makes no sense at all. But in all fairness to them, if it's that good of a game, people are going to show up. And I was at that 10 o'clock game. The gym was packed. So I get again, it. you also have to take into account Mount Saint Mary is a Big athletic school, right? You, you gotta worry about gym time. Maybe they can't they had, get... the, the, the games were going on from 10 to 6. They were not. Well, they were. Yeah. I thought 4 o'clock was the Monticello was the last It ended year. at 6. Understood. Well, you had originally mentioned maybe 7 o'clock start. Well, but it ended at... Yeah, I don't know, Darren. You know, I thought it was a rotation from people that I, they kind of thought that and I don't think it is a rotation. There's gotta no, the be... a double-A game last there's year There's gotta be something with maybe the teams that are coming out of the double-A. You know, maybe they don't want them playing you know, later in the day. I don't know. They want to maybe keep the fans there. Awful move. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. Terrible move. But if you base it on numbers, and I know that's it's not a professional team or the college and, it, and the, the revenue that comes in and the $6 to pay in the concessions, it's really not about that. The, no. the place was packed. I guess that could be their argument. But I can't seem to get... I don't think it's fair to the kids. I want to get an honest answer. I, I just want to say, hey, we do it this way for this reason. It can't yep. be rotation. And I say that to say this... Last year, the AA a game was scheduled for early in the morning yeah. as well, and we got whacked with snow, mm-hmm. and they were bailed out, and they played it on Sunday later in the afternoon. Yeah. I'm not sure why I can't get an honest answer from anybody. See, my point is, it, it, it's not fair to the kids
2: on the AA schools. They don't play one game all year at 10 in the morning. Why are you making the championship game at 10 a.m.? Well,
1: someone's we, got to play at 10 a.m. I mean, did, did, I don't think so. Well, they, I, don't, I don't think I, I'm not sitting here telling you that the girls' class D should be playing at 10. I don't think anybody should be playing at 10 in the morning. Well, again, most of the games are at 5:30 and seven. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, if there's all these games, I they, have no they, problem they, if they want to start the first game at noon. 10 a.m. You're you're getting yeah. up.
2: You're getting on a bus at 8:15 in the morning. I mean. You want the best basketball? Shouldn't be played at 10 in the morning. Yeah, no, we're in agreement there. I just I, I just want the answer. 845-791-9785. We'll be back right after this.
3: Are you a business owner that needs cash now? Are you tired of the big banks and all the paperwork and wasted time just to get declined? Then it's time to call Berkman Financial. If you've been in business for at least 30 days, Berkman Financial can get you small business financing within 48 hours of completing their quick and easy application. Berkman knows how small businesses work and will work with you to provide unsecured short-term financing to cover your expenses and keep your business running smoothly. It's simply easier and less stressful, so don't delay. Email danny at berkmanfinancial.com today. That's danny at berkmanfinancial.com.
1: I'm Louis Francis. I'm Amin Woods. And we're our CA45 Co-Players of the Year, and you're listening to Sports 845.
2: We are back at Sports 845. I am Darren Kunis, and you could reach me on Twitter at Darren Kunis. That's at D-A-R-I-N-K-U-N-I-S. Or my partner, you could reach at at B-O-C-H five six. That's at Boch five six. Hey, why do they call you
1: I was given that name by actually somebody that Dick O'Neill knows very well, Ralph Bogle, who was a superstar back in the 70s for Washington World Basketball, and I was always constantly running around, you know, doing stuff for my older brothers and their friends, and it just stuck. What does botch mean? Botch-a-galoop. I- I'd be lying if I told you. They'd just call me that there's the little botch, go get this, go get that, and, uh, and you did it. it stuck ever since. And now as a chubby old man, I still run around and get stuff for my kids now. At Darren Kunis and at Botch56.
2: Listen, Danny... There's NFL free agency starts March 17th, I believe, about a week from now. And I don't think we have ever or will ever see a season like this. I'm talking about superstars, stars. There could be such a domino effect if Tom Brady doesn't go back to the Patriots. If he goes back to the Patriots, I don't think you'll see anywhere near the extent of what could happen. I'm going to tell you what could happen. Now. For months, this Tom Brady thing has been going on, really since the Super Bowl, when he had that Instagram post. Today, March 9th, eight days away from free agency, do you believe Tom Brady still goes back to New England?
1: I think there's a 50-50 shot. I think uh, I was originally thought there in the Raiders. I think it now could be there or Tennessee. Okay, but you still believe it's 50-50? I do. Okay. Uh, Well, I did. Up until today, I read an article, and my understanding is Kraft is kind of stepping away. He's not, like, trumping Belichick. And when Belichick had the chance, and Kraft had the chance to give him $25 million a year for, say, two or three years, you know, 60 or 50 or 75, last August, they had that opportunity. They didn't. And now, as much as Kraft, I think, wants him there, I don't think he is going to trump whatever Belichick does. And there's real money out there. I mean, if Dak Prescott's getting $33 million a year, Tom Brady deserves more, regardless of age. I still think he'll probably stay home, if not Tennessee. I think that Raider thing is kind of maybe... I
2: said months ago that I believe... And this is what I said months ago. I said I believe 95% Tom Brady goes to the Patriots... Returns to the New England. I said if he doesn't return to New England... He goes to the Las Vegas Raiders. I said that months ago. I'm going to say the same exact thing, but my percentage has dropped to, I believe, it's 70% he goes back to the Patriots. And 30% he goes to another team. And I still believe the Raiders are the could be the team. But let me just tell you this. Let's assume, let's, let's have fun here for a second. Let's say Tom Brady leaves the Patriots and goes to... We could really have fun and say he goes to the 49ers. But... Let's say he goes to the Titans, okay? Listen to these quarterbacks that are going to be on the move. And it's a pretty good class. You could pick out some Hall of Famers here. Brady for one. Drew Brees is going to stay with the Saints. That we know. That's done. He uh, re-signed. Phillip Rivers. Teddy Bridgewater. Jameis Winston. Ryan Tannehill. Derek Carr. Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton, Jimmy Garoppolo, Cam Newton. Then you have guys like Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Vialoa, Justin Hebert, Hebert, three new quarterbacks coming in. Those guys that I just mentioned could all be on the move. Let's say Brady leaves New England. Who's your quarterback in New England?
1: I have no idea what their plan is. Could be Andy you know, Dalton. You know, I really, I don't even know the real answer why the Patriots got rid of Garoppolo. I mean, was it really Brady? Was it really a Belichick thing? Who knows? I don't I, know. But I have can no you imagine idea. if Brady
2: goes to the 49ers and Garoppolo goes to New England?
1: I think if Brady, I could, leaves, I could
2: see it happen. And I, yeah, absolutely. I here is what I think. I think Brady, if he leaves New England, I still think it's the Raiders. What happens with Derek Carr? Derek Carr, two years ago, we were talking about as a NFL MVP, lost some weapons, got hurt, and he he played okay last year. Derek Carr is a very good is a
1: good quarterback. Would the Patriots go get Teddy Bridgewater? I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to go to San Diego, and they are ready to win now. Okay, they, they got I mean, a good the, defense. They got a good this, offensive line. There's so much if there is
2: in this NFL offseason. and we just talked about one position, the quarterback position. You know, I didn't think Cam Newton—I thought for sure Cam Newton played his last game in Carolina. Now it looks like Cam Newton's definitely going back to Carolina.
1: That's what I see. That's what the reports are. Yes. I'm kind of actually shocked at that, quite frankly.
2: Well, here's why I'm not shocked. New coach—and remember, the Panthers—I say they bring back Newton, give him four or five games. The Panthers really almost don't want to win this year. There's a quarterback in Clemson, right near you know where the uh, Panthers play. Sure. Named Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be the number one pick next year. I wouldn't. I. I, I would imagine the Panthers wouldn't mind getting that number one pick.
1: I would agree. I mean, Lawrence seems. So to have I don't all the think tools. they're going to. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's so Darren. You know, there's so much that goes on in this NFL draft that we, I think we know, and we do as much reading as we can, and we have all these alleged experts. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I had the opportunity to sit down um, at a round table with Scott Pioli, who I consider a friend of mine, a dear friend. And
2: Scott Pioli built the Chiefs, built the Patriots. That is correct. Started with the, the, the Browns, with
1: Belichick back then. Yep. Yep, so, he's now like, on the radio. Just so the people know who it is. And, yep, and we uh, we were able to sit down with Peter King, who Sports yes. Illustrated,
2: Yes, along
1: with Ernie Acorsi. We all at S-
2: three guys have one thing in common, they listen to Sports 845.
1: That is correct. And they all sat and had... A cocktail and a steak with yours truly. And Ernie was saying how there's so much that goes on in these rooms that people know nothing about. And one thing he said, when the Giants drafted Eli and that whole issue with the Chargers, the Giants pretty much, with about 30 to 40 seconds left on the clock by all accounts, were going to take Roethlisberger. And the Steelers wanted somehow to have OCU Minora involved in that, and the Giants did not want to part with him. Hence, then it turns around... The Giants wind up getting Eli. So the point Look, I'm trying well. to make is all the work that they put in, and all the time and the combine and this scouting—it's—it's oh, it's, it's incredible. It comes the down, questions they ask these guys, and, and then it, it comes when push comes to shove. You've had all year to prepare, and these guys go to you know Mobile, Alabama, and they watch all these college players. And now with the free agency is is so insane. I don't even think they know. I think they know what they want, but it doesn't always fall that way. It's a real cat and mouse game. Well, let's talk this for a second
2: because we both are Giant fans here. Now, the Giants, we're not drafting a quarterback. We're not trading for a quarterback. The Tom Brady domino effect has nothing to do with the Giants. The Giants are not a very good football team, and they have a lot of holes to fill. They also have money to spend. The Giants, to me, have to go. There's only two ways I think the Giants do go. They draft the best offensive lineman. It's not a sexy pick drafting an O-lineman. But, Danny, you and I both agree, if they they pick an O-lineman... The kid from Iowa, the kid from uh, Alabama, the kid from Georgia. If they make that pick, and he's our starting tackle for the next nine years, we sign for it tomorrow. Absolutely. The other way they go is Isaiah Simmons, possibly. The linebacker at Clemson who could play anywhere on the defense. He's an animal. Guy is absolutely great. He wowed everybody at the combine. You know, that previous thing they had. Sure. So, either one of those picks we're happy with, I think. Now, money-wise, would you have interest in uh, Jadavian Clowney?
1: Absolutely not. Because of an injury risk? Yeah, he's an Tell injury me. risk. He, he's an injury risk. He kind of seems a little like a kind of to me, too. I don't think he's really that much of a team player. Um, you know, I don't know. For someone uh, I'm so d- good, he's been on a few teams already. That is correct, and go figure, right? I mean, coming out, I mean, there was an issue with him coming out being drafted as well. He just doesn't seem like he would fit in that. Uh, I don't want to call him a diva by no stretch, but I don't think he fits into that, you know, Giant, you know, mantra so to speak. Hence, getting rid of. Yeah, it I, looks like the headache that Beckham's causing. Right, the Giants were right by getting rid of him. I know they paid him. Yeah, I don't think Clowney is in that ilk. I though. don't, but there's something with him, and he's injury prone. He he
2: does get injured. Um, you know, Byron Jones, the cornerback of the Cowboys, and the Giants' secondary, since an overrated Jason Seahorn left, has been awful. You, I mean, uh, awful. Jackrabbit, terrible. Every one of the guys they seem to put in the secondary have been bad. If the Giants could get Byron Jones of the Cowboys... Landon you know, Collins for, was a good player. Landon Collins was okay. He was more. He was better against the... Wasn't he better against well, the yeah, run? Yeah, he's, he's a great open field yeah. tackle. I
1: mean, it's no secret.
2: But if the Giants... If Byron Jones is a free agent, the cornerback from the Cowboys, I would like to see the Giants go in that direction. Um, the um, edge rusher... From the Jaguars. And then you have Shaq Barrett. I would take Shaq Barrett. I would take... Uh, I can't think right now. Um, the, I can't say his name. The kid from the Jaguars. Young kid who had a, like 13 and a half sacks last year. Najoku. I would take those two before I sign the sexy name Jadavian Clowney. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, listen. Trey Young's not out of any question. Well... The first pick in the or draft... Chase Young.
2: Chase Young. The first pick in the draft goes to the Bengals who are going to take Burrow. Okay? Then it gets a little interesting. Are the Redskins, who have the second pick, you would think they'd go Chase Young. Right? But, did Haskins do enough there where the Redskins are comfortable passing on Tua, passing on Herbert? Are they comfortable enough there? Or do the Redskins somehow get involved in this quarterback carousel, which you hope for, for the Giants?
1: You know... I think they are happy with Haskins down there, and that's just also a tough franchise uh, with the owner having a little bit too much to say. Yeah, new coach, um, but
2: you, you know the Lions are not drafting a quarterback. I now don't. Now, Arians believe. is the new coach down there, right?
1: Um, no. Ron, uh, Rivera. Ron Rivera, right from Carolina, exactly.
2: But the the Lions, you would think, are are staying with Matt Stafford. Very tough to make a trade in the NFL. A guy who's under contract at that much money. So you would think the Giants would sit there and go O line or Simmons because I don't think Chase Young is going to fall there.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. Anything else you want to add on the well, NFL? You know what? You know what's interesting. Well, the Giants really aren't in a win-now situation. You but know, they I, could be quickly. I often thought about, you know, what are the odds of Brady ever going to the Giants? I mean, Daniel Jones I don't is, want, is young I, enough. but I, They Danny, can't win now. They yeah, can't.
2: The Giants have like $67 million in, in cap space where they could spend. I'm not spending thirty-five of it on Tom Brady. I would agree. No. I uh,
1: and to be, I think it's 50-50. And listen, he's got the variable thing going to Tennessee, right? Yeah. Well, you could connect dots everywhere with Brady. You really can. I guess you could. But...
2: Uh, to be fair, Brady wasn't spectacular last year. I know he didn't have weapons, but he wasn't he wasn't great last year.
1: He wasn't, but he could still play at the level.
2: You know, Danny, the Nets made the news this week, and I think for all the wrong reasons. They fired Kenny Atkinson, which makes Aaron Boone the longest tenured head coach, manager in the New York area. We're going to talk uh, about the Atkinson firing in a few minutes when we get to the NBA. Let's take a call. Hello, this is hey. Sports Eight Four Five. How are you? Hey, Darren, I'm doing well. How are yourself? Good. Who's this, Danny? This Tag Dan Yeah, man. How are uh, things going? Uh, things are going great, Danny. What's on your mind? Well, you know, it, it, I know, I know, it might be a little old
0: news, but this whole thing how the Knicks just can't get out of their own way uh, just just really is uh, is it, it, it bothersome as a fan, right? Are you, you a, a Knicks fan? That, uh, on, yeah, I am. Okay. I, I still am a Knicks fan, I, but, but I think we're starting to divide in the sense of Knicks fans that still go to the games and Knicks fans that'll just watch them on TV. Well, I There's,
2: think that's really always been the case with the price, but you know the price of tickets and everything at the Garden. Are you referring to the Spike Lee incident? I
0: am. I am. You know, I, I just—it's it, not only the incident, but it's then the response and the, the press release that gets re, get uh, you know given out to the public. It's, I just don't understand any other sports franchise that, that operates on such a personal level um, instead of uh, on a, a worldwide level, right? I mean, they're the most valuable basketball franchise in the world, and they just can't issue a decent press release and have to just go tick for tat with Spike Lee. Uh, it, you know, it's concerning. I, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Major League with, uh, with, uh, yeah. with Charlie Sheen, but, uh, you know, I just, I try, like, James Dolan is like the, the woman who owned the, the uh,
2: Cleveland Indians. No, I agree with you. But, but Danny, let me say this, and then we'll talk about the Knicks on the court. I, I Obviously, and I say the word obviously, I don't know any Nick fans that, that love James Dolan. I think Dolan makes a fool of himself every time he throws someone out for chanting sell the team. I think Dolan makes a fool of himself by banning certain reporters. I think he runs it in a terrible way, the Nick organization. I do believe a few things though. I believe he would spend any amount of money to win. I believe he tried to do that with Phil Jackson and Phil Jackson absolutely screwed him and screwed us the fans of the Knicks. I also believe and I think this Spike Lee thing is a really a minor hiccup because in the scheme of things if this was any other team as you pointed out it wouldn't be a big deal and I don't think Spike Lee was in the right here. I think the Garden was right. I think Dolan was right. Which is the first time I've ever said that, probably. But I just think it was much to do about nothing, and it became a much bigger deal because you're right; they had to respond to it.
0: I and I agree with you. It, it and and I, you know, I wasn't even so much in favor of Spike or not. It's just more of a, how a, a professional franchise handles the situation. Um, but but in reality, there really at this point has to be no denying that the, all these issues off the court are affecting free agents on the court. I agree with you. I think James Dolan would spend any amount of money for any player. But when players don't want to come here, that, that's, that, that's a problem, right? I mean, we have seven first-round picks in the next four years. We have to get really lucky to, develop, to really draft some, some talent and then develop these pieces and hope they want to stay and we don't have another Poor Porzingis situation.
2: I think the thing that you were, you're, you're really hit on is the player development And you look across town where the Nets just fired Kenny Atkinson. I would take Atkinson tomorrow. uh, You talk D'Angelo Russell. You talk Joe Harris. You talk Spencer Dinwiddie. You talk Karis Levert. um, I mean, that's a guy that develops talent. We get guys, um, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., um, Frank Nicolita, Mitchell Robinson I'm worried about, and and even Mario Hazonia. And Porzingis. And those guys don't seem to ever get better when they come here. How, how about Kevin Knox? Kevin Knox. You know, you know what, though? Hold on, Dan. You can't teach heart, and that's what I think Knox lacks. I really do. I really do. I don't see any effort on defense from Kevin Knox. Missing shots, you're going to miss shots. But I don't see any type of defensive aggressiveness on his behalf. I really don't.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, and it's a really fair comment. I and I and that's a personal thing. I, I do think there is also a cultural thing because there's a, there's times when all five guys on the court, you, you kind of wonder w- what they're thinking about uh, when they're playing on ball defense or help side defense.
2: I because never before the season yeah. started. I had no interest in Chris Paul. None. Yeah. They they OKC was looking to dump him immediately. Chris Paul showed me a lot this year. He really did. He showed me a lot. And I'm actually on the side now where I would definitely have interest in Chris Paul next year. With the leadership that he showed this year, coming over, and as you said, we're not signing Giannis. We're not signing that big free agent. We do have to spend our money. If we can get a draft pick and bring in Chris Paul, obviously we're getting the draft pick. If we can get lucky and get a good draft pick, Chris Paul might not be a bad move.
0: I completely agree with you. I'm at a point now where these young guys like Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox, I mean R.J. They need to be around leadership. Um, and Chris Paul, I agree with you, man. Before this season, I couldn't believe Chris Paul. Other than that one season when, uh, what after Hurricane Katrina, when they played in OKC, I can't. I couldn't believe he was back there. Um, and I, I didn't even think he would start the season there, let alone the guy got motivated, got in some of the best shape of his life on, on an incredible diet, and he's playing incredible basketball. I agree. I, I would ta- I would take him. He, I, I really he realized, would. I'd spend the money and take him.
2: And, and, and Danny has a question for you in a second, but, you know, I mentioned this to Dick uh, last week, and I'd like to know your opinion. Zion Williamson went number 1. John ja Morant went number 2. The Knicks had the third pick. They made the right pick there's not a player that's better than r j Barrett
0: without a doubt without they made the right win. pick yeah yeah without a doubt uh, i i agree I mean Ja is having a great career Zion is really no fun he's having to a watch. great year we
2: can't give him a career yet he's having yeah, a great no, year
0: yeah thank you for for the correction yeah no he's having a great year. Zion's really fun to watch the guys must see t v just like he was at Duke and he's playing well um but, but, you know, here, here's R.J. Barrett, who's really having uh, a, a pretty decent rookie year. I mean, they, they, you know, the guy was a little inconsistent, I, th- I think, towards the holidays. Um, but he's, he's hit some stretches where he's played well. And without this Spike Lee distraction, the guy played great against Houston. He,
2: he did. Great. And. And Barrett, I just don't think Barrett's ceiling is nearly as high as Zion or Moran's. And I think you would agree with it. But Barrett's going to be a good player. He's going to be a starting player in the NBA for, for many years. And he's not going to ever be, I don't think he's ever going to be the Superman. He's going to be maybe the Robin. What was that? I don't think he's ever going to be superstar status. But he's going to be a good number two at some point.
1: Agree.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: Danny? Um, yeah. Hold on one second. Danny, I got a question for you. So sure. I'm going to give you my take. Let's go back, you know, a few minutes to the ownership. <clears throat> Are you a Ranger fan as well?
0: Uh, I, I'm not. I'm an Islander fan. Fair if enough. I was. I'm not a big hockey guy.
1: Okay. So I pay attention to the Rangers during the playoffs. I have some dear friends that love the Rangers just like I like my Giants football, right? If the Knicks never played basketball ever again, I could care less. But my my opinion on this ownership thing... Is, and I don't know the numbers, but if I had to guess, a lot of the Nick tickets are corporate tickets, not so much with the Rangers, okay? Fast forward, the fan base that the Rangers have are tough, blue-collar, hard-working men and women, for the most part, right, that spend their hard-earned dough to go there— and if Dolan could run the Rangers, I mean, could run the Knicks how he does the Rangers, I think they'd be in a better spot. But I, I firmly believe that Dolan knows that he can't put his nose in the Rangers' business, let his hockey guys take care of it. And that's why, obviously, they haven't won a lot of Cups, they don't have a lot of success, but they have such a passionate fan base. Dolan knows that if he starts screwing around with these blue-collar, hard-working guys, they're going to tell him to hit the bricks. We're not going to your games. I'm really convinced of it. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I, I totally agree with you. And, and furthermore, going back to Darren's earlier comment, I think Dolan has no problem spending money. He's never showed us anything different. I mean, you know, if we go back a couple of years to what turned out to be a horrible, horrible situation for the Knicks with Phil Jackson, I don't think anybody on the front end of that was disappointed seeing Phil Jackson or thought that it was going to go so far south as it did. The guy, He's trying, but the problem is, he takes things personal, and he gets himself involved on the on the Knicks end. To be completely honest, I can't speak so much on the Ranger end. I just don't know it that
1: well. Well, that's but why I'm, that's why I'm convinced he knows he can get away with it with the fan base. I I,
0: I get I believe you're right. I, I, in this case, I believe you would be right.
2: Danny, I would trade uh uh Dolan for the Will Ponds. I would I would rather trade you know, I'd rather have Dolan owning my team than the Will Ponds. I'd rather have a guy that at least is passionate and wants to spend some money. I don't care if he acts like a jerk off.
1: Did they try to blackball well, how come Mark Cuban didn't buy the Mets?
2: I have no idea. Danny, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. You know, Thanks, Dan, we were just talking about Dolan. We were talking about Dolan. And there's been a few incidents that have made the you know, the front page and the back page the Oakley thing for sure. I loved watching Oakley play. I like watching Oakley being interviewed. I like Charles Oakley a lot. Oakley was wrong that day.
1: He night. was in that case. He was. He reacted lot and I think I think he admitted it as well.
2: But now he's taking it. He's doubling down on it. He's making James Dolan into Donald Sterling. It's a plantation he's running over there. That's a scary word and a horrible word to say. And I don't believe that for a second. You know. Dolan's a very easy target, and I think Oakley and Lee are taking advantage of it. Dolan's done a lot of bad things. He said a lot of stupid things. He takes things, as Dan Tagney pointed out, very personally. Oakley was wrong. You don't put your hands on a security guard. You don't show up at the garden drunk and yelling at the owner. You're Charles Oakley. You don't do that. Spike Lee could spend all the money he wants at the Garden. If you're asked to go into a certain VIP entrance, do it. I don't, I, think it's, I don't think Dolan was wrong in either one of those instances. He was wrong for the way he treated Larry Brown. He was wrong for the way he approved the Porzingis trade and probably rubbed Porzingis the wrong way. He was wrong for the way he treated Donnie Walsh and Mike D'Antoni and Mike Woodson. And he, he's been a, you know, he's acted like a fool. In running the team, but he's a pretty easy target, and I think guys are taking advantage of it right now. I can see that. Eight four five We're on the NBA, Danny. Let's stay here real quick. LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP probably this year, but I said many times every year LeBron James has been in the league, he's the most valuable player. You saw last night the Lakers beat Milwaukee, um, or two nights ago, whatever it was, they beat the Clippers last night. The uh, Bucks, The you know, they have wins over the Milwaukee and the Clippers this week. I don't care how old LeBron James is. He's the best player in the league. Your thoughts?
1: He clearly is the best player in the league, and he showed it. And it's really amazing, Darren, you know, watching him play. You know, you and I feel the same way. We still would take Jordan if, you know, it's Game 7, you know, money on the line. I'll take Jordan over anybody that's am Yeah, I'm, ever, not, I'm saying yeah, Jordan didn't play when LeBron played. No. Different what, era. What's really interesting is, you know, I was reading about this, and I heard a few people talking. The amount of games that this guy played, I don't think anybody's played this many games while they're at the top of their game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right, I mean, you're talking his last nine games, he's averaging like 30 points a game, Ten assists, you know, eight boards, shooting like 50%, 60% from the floor. This is when the man has played 48,000 basketball games. Yeah, you have the Stocktons and the Jabars into the world. They've played much more. But to really, there's nobody in the history of the game that has played this many games and was at the top of their game. I mean, over the Clippers and the Bucks, right? You got Giannis and uh, Kawhi. Yeah combined, he had more points, rebounds, and assists than both of them. Yeah, I mean, he also has
2: has Anthony Davis. He's always played with a superstar. LeBron
1: James, I'm not going to argue, is the best player in the league since he entered the league. Kawhi Leonard was drafted into the Spurs with Ginobili and Duncan. That's not too shabby, and he had some players as well. Yes,
2: but not like LeBron has had. I mean, Kawhi Leonard was a rookie then. He wasn't Kawhi. Kawhi's improved tremendously. Absolutely. But LeBron James drafted out of St. Vincent High School comes into the league, and the day he stepped on the court, and 20 years later, he's the best player on that court.
1: That's the scary part of how old he is. That's what's really yeah. and amazing. And in great shape. He does.
2: Now, one last thing. He did, you know, I thought had a kind of a douchey remark. LeBron likes to think, like people I like, like Springsteen and like Robert De Niro, that their opinions on everything trump everybody else's. When LeBron was told with this coronavirus that the NBA should prepare – to play in an empty arenas, LeBron's re- immediate reaction was, I ain't playing in no empty arena. Well, LeBron, they're not doing this to slight you or anybody else. The NBA certainly doesn't want it. It's a health concern. And if you're not going to play, then give back your paycheck. Because you're asked, you know, this is for health reasons. None else but health.
1: So similar to Dolan, he takes it personal.
2: Well, I think LeBron just always has a comment to make. And he does. Really because he thinks into- he can, because he's yeah. entitled.
1: And yeah. I, I, another thing, i got to give him credit for this too. Most people, myself included, him going out to LA is like going out to LA, you know, his career's over, he wants to do the whole Hollywood thing, Space Jam, make these movies and stuff. He's been absolutely incredible. And again, I don't watch, but I pay attention and I read. And good for him, because I was absolutely dead wrong on his reason to want to go out to LA. Now that may be in the future, you know, a few years down the road, but this year he's at the top of his game. And he showed it this past weekend.
2: LeBron James is great. There's you you could whether you like him or not or LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world from the day he came on till now. Not comparing him to anybody else right now. 8457919785 Danny, I thought and it will close out the NBA. I thought the Nets who talk about culture and building and everything like that. I thought the Nets did a really shitty job and a shitty thing this week in firing Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson got there 4 years ago. They had no draft picks. Everything was given to the Celtics and that Garnett and you know that those trades that went on there. Awful what they did to Atkinson. Atkinson gets there. As I said, no draft picks. He gets a young team that's not supposed to win. In his second year, he gets into the playoffs. This year he gets Durant and gets Kyrie Irving, gets DeAndre Jordan, and doesn't Kyrie has Kyrie for twenty games doesn't have Durant for a game, and they fire this guy? Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, who was there last year, Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and you can go on and on. These are guys that Atkinson and his staff developed and made household names in the NBA. He really did, and it's really wrong what they did. And they fired him because Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant had to sign off on it.
1: I would think Kyrie signed off on it more so. Kyrie really has just been a, a real prick. You he know? hasn't been a good And again, guy. we've Not already we discussed this. You know, he went to Duke for, you know, a game and a half. I get it. But I kind of thought he was a little bit better of a person than that. And maybe he is, but when it comes to this stuff, listen, they're fed so much stuff to their ego, and there's always the entitlement, and they think they can say and do what they want. And it's very hard to, you know, listen to a coach and this guy Atkinson got absolutely railroaded, but you know I would welcome Kenny Atkinson to the Knicks. I think most second. teams would. Yeah. Now baby I'm starting to think you know what B-lines like you know what this game ain't for me. I'm 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 out of here. 8457919785 when
2: we get back we're going to go into some baseball. We're going to talk to Mike Silva and I want to just tell you guys this. You could reach us at Darren Kunis on Twitter or at @botch56 on Twitter and you could listen to us on the following platforms Anchor Apple Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, RadioBold.com, and uh, ABC every night at 11 p.m.
4: Been looking to improve your smile, Gold Dental can help from subtle changes to major repairs. Their state of the art dental practice offers a full range of cosmetic services. Doctors Brian Gold, Mo Corella, and Thomas Torres can help to make your smile shine. Missing teeth? Implants are a great option periodontist dr sid tucker can help restore your smile starting to see the gray line from older crowns gold dental has an entirely ceramic option that eliminates old fake looking crowns schedule your free initial consultation today gold dental participates with most insurance plans and offers care credit financing if you don't have dental insurance ask about the gold dental savings plan if you have an emergency give gold dental a call most emergency appointments can be made the same day. Gold Dental, located at the Jefferson Street Professional Plaza in Monticello. Call today at 794-5411 or at golddentalny.com. Gold Dental, big enough to serve you professionally, small enough to serve you personally.
0: Hey, this is Chris retail head basketball coach at Monticello High School, and you're listening to Sports 845 with Darren
1: King.
2: We are back. This is Sports 845. And, Danny, we covered some basketball. We talked about the mess with the Nets. I want to get into baseball. I'm excited for the baseball season this year. I am. I am a Met fan. Uh, I also root for the Yankees. I do not hate the Yankees. I'm not one of those guys that does. Um, But, you know, there's a few things that have gone on this week. You look at the Astros and that whole situation. They lose Cole to the Yankees. And Verlander... Left the game the other day with a, with a uh, lat strain. According to Justin Verlander, it's very unlikely he'll be ready for Opening Day.
1: What? Well, he said that. Yeah. Oh, because I haven't heard him say anything about yes. the astro incident. But all of a sudden, to no, talk ad- about his injury. Yeah. No, I know. I'm oh, being yeah. facetious. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so okay. he is alive. He has a pulse. Yes. 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 Beautiful. Uh, the Yankees. Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. If he.
2: If I mean Giancarlo Stanton, the Yankee fans love to rip. Aaron Judge doesn't play. Doesn't play a season. He just doesn't. And I feel bad for the guy. I like watching him play. But it doesn't look like Judge is going to be playing a lot this year.
1: Yeah, and, you know, he's a nice nice young kid to root for. Now, the reports that I read, is this an injury that he kind of maybe had, like, going back to September? Yes.
2: You know, they already have Severino's out. Sanchez has the back, but it doesn't look so serious. We don't know what the story is with Stanton. We really, it, the answers and and what's going on with the Yankees, you really don't have much clarity. You just know the judge is in trouble for the season. The Brewers signed Yelich nine years, two hundred fifteen million. Here's the impressive thing with Yelich: no opt out in his contract. He never wants to leave. He said that. Never wants to test free agency. Wants to be a Brewer for life.
1: So what does that mean? He's a Brewer for life. It says that in his contract. Well, he's. Right, well, they will doesn't. say it. No, I'm he glad I'm out He doesn't have an opt out. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And he got
2: paid. The Met number over under is 86.5, and we have on the line right now a good friend of mine, Mike Silva. And Mike does an amazing job on his podcast, Talking Mets. He really does do a great job. And Mike, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me
1: on. Hey, Mike. Thanks so much for coming on.
2: Mike, I uh, I, I, we definitely appreciate it. Mike, the number for the Mets. Let's get to the Mets. 86.5. I'll give you my opinion right off the bat, and then I'd love to hear yours. I think Diaz. Okay, you say over. I would love it to be over. Every year I sucker into it and I go over. I'm going to give you my complaints or my thoughts on the Mets, and you tell me where I'm wrong. The bullpen, which was their biggest issue last year by far, I think Edwin Diaz is done in New York. I really do. Everything I'm about to say, I hope I'm wrong. I think Diaz can. I don't think Diaz can pitch in New York. They bring in Betances. He pitched an inning last year. Not judging off of yesterday's spring training game. Familia, I can't I can't take the guy. I don't think he's a very good uh, relief pitcher. I'd like to see them get something out of Cespedes. I'm going to ask you about Cespedes. I'm going to ask you about Jed Lowry. I think the pitching staff, will. the starting five, is going to be just as good, if not better, than last year. I'm okay with that. I think Alonzo will be fine. I think Rosario is, hasn't reached his ceiling yet. Tell me about the Mets.
3: Well, with the bullpen, you certainly took the most negative outcome. And look, that's fair. I mean, that certainly could happen. I mean, you got a guy coming off of a major injury in uh, Edwin Diaz had a horrible first year. Familia, who has declined since his first tenure here, and specifically against lefties. Uh, what I would say, though, I mean, it, it, with moderate, you know, let's say, the moderate floor, you still have Justin Wilson. You still have Brad Brock. You still have Seth Lugo, uh, Robert Gazelman. I mean, they have some guys: Drew Smith. Uh, Riley Gilliam, some young guys that potentially could sub in. So, like any other team, I think the bullpen is certainly going to be a big part of it. Uh, As far as Lowry and Cespedes, I looked at this team all winter without those guys providing an at-bat. If they provide anything, uh, with Lowry, some kind of 200 at-bat utility role with Cespedes, uh, who we don't even know if he could play the field, that's the key. I mean, if this was an American League team, it would be way different. They still have a really good offense. Um, of course, they still have some age as well. They have Cano and they have Ramos uh, specifically that, you know, potentially could fall off that cliff once you hit the north of thirty. Uh, and the rotation is, uh, is I agree, is as good if not better than last year. I don't look at the rotation and compare it to the second half with Wheeler and Strowman. That was never the rotation they planned on having. Uh, Strowman was their acquisition in the event that Wheeler's market went crazy, and it mm-hmm. did. Uh, so, look, 86.5, if you want to talk it from a gambling perspective, that's right there. That's a tough one. You can't argue with anyone going either way. They may be right on the cusp uh, because if everything balances out, you know, some things go really bad, some things go really well, that's probably where they're at. And, and it's a lot of little things that didn't go right specifically in the first half uh, that really cost them probably another four or five wins and, and, and potentially a chance to play the Nationals. In the wild card and maybe make the run that the, the Nationals did,
2: Mike. I certainly and I know I sound negative and I am being negative. I am. I want to assure you that I am truly a diehard Met fan who hopes they win 162 games. Please tell me why Edwin Diaz could be better this year. I, I guess he can't be worse. So tell me why you have confidence in him.
3: Well, I, I don't. Confidence is the wrong word. I think he has a track record. It's not like he was a one year wonder. He was very good the year before. Or, yes, but he has uh, uh, you know numbers in Seattle that also were uh, solid years before. Uh, other than Josh Hader, this guy's strikeout rate is, is right there and, and, and next. I mean, you, you know, strike it out 15 per nine innings—that's tremendous. When you when you miss bats, you're going to be have
2: successful uh, successful seasons. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. And it, the I funny mean, thing is, when he when he comes out. in, he looks electric. Right. Uh, the issue with
3: Diaz, and I think it's less about New York and more about his mechanics have gotten off. And maybe, maybe that's because there's that bone spur in his elbow that's starting to bother him. Maybe he's not talking about that. He's got very complicated mechanics; they're hard to repeat. Once he gets off of them, his command and his control go off. Uh, I think he was tipping his pitches a significant amount.
2: Yeah, I read of that I, last year. I read that. I mean,
3: I, yeah. it, 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 listen, you watch a lot of these games. It was almost like they knew what was coming. It, and it I'm certainly not looked about it like it. A sign. Yeah, I'm not talking from a sign-stealing perspective. I'm just saying, hey, yeah. you, you, maybe it's where he's going to his belt. Uh, and I know before he was fired, calls Beltron even intimated about that. So when you strike out 15, 16 per nine, you've got a shot to be really good. That's what you got to hang your hat on. That's what he did last year, even in a bad year. So I go with process over outcome. Uh, that process, at least those stats show there's a process where you know, he could be very successful.
2: Listen, if Diaz is successful, this 86-and-a-half number could go to 94 real quick. Sure. It really yeah. could. Um, Dillon Batanzas, I can't argue with the signing. One year, or I think it was one year, $10 million. Um, I, I can't argue with that. It was a great signing. I just, you know, Batanzas threw an inning last year.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's the. if you listen to Brody Van Wagenen back during the GM meetings in early November, he talked about how they were going to be opportunistic and they were going to try to get players of value. One thing that's been underreported is that this team, and you first saw it with Zach Wheeler as he came up to free agency, has a number of players over the next couple of years, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, and maybe Alonzo McNeil a little sooner than you think if they sign extensions, that are going to be up for some big money. Mm-hmm. And they have to prepare for that. Absolutely. So in order to prepare for that, they have to build a team now that doesn't compromise that in the future.
1: And so I'm fine with a guy that.
3: like Batanzas, And if you look at what the Braves did, they signed some relievers, well, I'm not quite sure if healthy or as good or better than It's to long-term contracts, sometimes three or four years. Um, they said, look, that's not the direction we're going to go. I mean, that would have made everyone happy in the offseason. It would have made the fans happy. Um, but they decided to go with an opportunistic signing, a signing with a lot of upside and value, but also could be a big bust. And uh, the hope is, uh, you know, with a lot to prove, with a New York pedigree, Mm-hmm. Uh, and assuming that his Achilles is okay, because that's a big part of this, mm-hmm. his landing foot, I believe. Um, you got a guy that's, again, going to strike out maybe 14, 15 per nine. Yeah, I have this no issue a guy with the out of the no. bullpen. Yeah, the, the guys coming out of the bullpen are going to miss bats. Mm-hmm. Will they walk batters at a, at a crazy rate? That's one question. Mm-hmm. Are they home run prone? Sure. Uh, and those other two parts are death nails. But when you miss bats and guys don't make contact, a lot of good things happen more times than not.
2: Degrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Matt, Waka, Porcello. I think the starting staff would be f- will be fine. I do not. I'm one of those guys. I don't think Matts has reached his ceiling by any means. I think Matts could be very good when he when he when he finally reaches that ceiling.
3: Very underrated. I think everyone forgets that this is a guy that missed the first two years of professional ball with arm injuries. Mm-hmm. He was drafted at high school, uh, came up at the age of about 24 and 2015. Pitched in the postseason. Pitched well against Kershaw, pitched very well in Game Five of of the Game Four of the World Series. The following year, before he had some arm problems, was having a really good year, you know, showing you know number three, number two potential. And then he had some injuries and some regression. And it seems to be that he spent the last two two and a half years trying to figure his way out of that. And sometimes it takes pitchers longer. Al Leiter's a guy. Didn't really break come into his own until 28, 29, 30. Mm-hmm. Also had injuries, had command and control problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Miner, a guy that was highly touted in Atlanta. Now uh, in Texas uh, is pitching like an ace. So, you know, before you throw a young lefty away for nothing, because everyone's tired of hearing about him, you've been hearing about him since 2009, if you've been following the Mets, because he was drafted back then. So you think he's been around forever, but in, in baseball in reality, uh, not so much.
2: No, I, I agree with you. Um, Dominic Smith, is he... Are we waiting for the DH to come to the NL? Is Dominic Smith someone the Mets would like to hold on to to the deadline? Is Dominic Smith someone they're going to use off the bench, or is it all of the above?
3: Um, I think all of the above. I don't know about the DH part. I mean, Dom Smith is a guy that I think is eventually going to have to be a piece that they'll use to land something that they need. Mm-hmm. I don't personally think he'll sustain his numbers as an everyday player. I might be wrong about that. I think he's good in a uh, – Backup roles, put a little bit of outfield, a little bit of caddy for Alonzo at first. I'm not sure I want to hand over 500, 600 ABs, but, you know, obviously as a first-round pick, he's got potential. He does. Uh, To his credit, to his credit, he's lost weight. Mm -hmm. He's pushed every narrative about him, every negative narrative about him to the side, and he's been a real team player. I I know that that shouldn't be something we're touting because back in the day, and if you guys are longtime Mets fans, you'll think of another first baseman that was blocked named Dave Maggot and it took him four years uh, with a declining Keith Hernandez, and then they even traded for Mike Marshall before they gave him the job, before he yep. got an opportunity. So, you know, back in the day, before free agency and, and all that stuff, and there was free agency, but it wasn't like today, you know, guys had to wait. They had a caddy. Maybe they didn't get their chance like 27, 28. And uh, it almost seems like it's sacrilegious to have a guy sit the bench and, and hone his craft at the big league level it's like, we'll send him down to the minor leagues, let him play every day, or, you know, shit, just trade him. You know, if he's not going to play every day, don't, you know, trade him. Well, it's okay to have depth, and it's okay Absolutely for a guy to fight his way in the lineup. Maybe he plays left field. You know, that's another reason he, J.D. Davis, guys like that. Well, that's um, what I was
2: going to get to next. Where not is J.D. JD Davis' best position, and where do you see him playing this, this year? I mean, J.D., I think. Would ultimately like to play
3: third base. He's talked about that, mm-hmm. and I think if he's ever going to pan out as an everyday player, that's probably the position. Now he's got a real big hitch with his, uh, uh, almost like a little tap that I yeah. think has hurt him a lot yep. uh, at third base. When he started to get, however, and he played every day in left field for the most part, he got a consistent position. He wasn't coming off the bench and flipping from third to the outfield. He hit really well. He actually hit as a top a 15-hitter in baseball from July 1st on. He was fantastic, and that's a,
2: that's a move yeah. that goes under the radar with Brody, you know, right. one of the moves. That was a great pickup.
3: Right, exactly. And I understand part of that is a smaller sample size, three or four months, and, and maybe play, played a little bit above his head. Uh, but this is a guy that was a, a top-notch hitter in the Houston organization. I believe if, if he didn't win a batting title – he was right up there, two or three in the Pacific Coast League. Again, I understand it's the Pacific Coast League, mm-hmm. uh, but he clearly is talented, and he's a worker, and he's a student of the game. And those are things that uh, supersede numbers, and those are reasons why I would bet on him. And be bullish about JD Davis.
2: Okay, now so in, you have JD Davis. You think at third base, the outfield you're 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 comfortable with Conforto? Uh, we'll assume Cespedes is not there. Conforto. Um, Uh, Nemo, and... Well, I think J.D. will play left field and McNeil will play
3: third, but you can flip those guys around. I think long-term, the real decision is if J.D. is going to be an everyday player, I don't think left field is going to be it. And McNeil could play all around. And don't be surprised. Look, and this will be take a sell job by Luis Rojas in the front office. I think Cano, if he's going to be the best version of Cano at 37-38, needs to play five days a week.
2: I agree with you um, 100%, and I think and I don't he will.
3: think he wants to do that. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he's in denial about that. But I think even when he was first acquired, Brody Van Wagen had talked about 120, 130 games being that sweet spot, and, and Cano resisted that. Um, with that said, if you move McNeil to second, J.D. to third, Dom Smith maybe in left, whatever. Maybe you put Marisnik in center and put Nimmo in left, whatever combination. And that's the real good part about this team. Even uh, with potentially Eduardo Nunez, and I think that's a little hint, the fact that they're playing Eduardo Nunez around the diamond that yeah. either Jed Lowry or Cespedes won't be ready. You have a lot of versatility on the roster. Now, maybe these are not the best defensive guys that you could say J.D. Davis is not a good left fielder, but they're not embarrassing themselves out there. No, they're, they're not
2: absolutely. Todd Hundley, no.
3: And, and, and right, you, know, you can't get much worse than that. And the other thing is you have defensive compliments off the bench,
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That
3: you can use, mm-hmm. so it's not like in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning, you can't just bring your caddy. And Marisnik I think, is going to be a big part of that. Luis Guillerme, if he makes the roster, could be uh, a part of that in the infield. So you know, they got a lot of good things going on. You know, again, I think, like you said, with that eighty-six and a half number, with some of the 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 paranoias or the negative things that you have every right to uh, have in the back of your head. I think if things fall fairly normal, which is like every other team, you're going to have some negatives, you're going to have some positives. They should be right there. I don't see any reason why not. What
2: is the story with Jed Lowry? What is it?
3: I personally think there's either one or two things. That, uh, you know, some kind of uh, ligament damage clearly in the knee, maybe arthritis. Um, they're not saying for whatever reason, look, it's his business. I mean, one of the things I think we have to remember, these athletes and their health is their business.
2: We don't but is, right is Jed Lowry going to play this year? Uh,
3: if he's going
2: to uh, Did we lose him? I don't think
3: he's going to be able to play. Uh, uh, if he's going to play the middle infield, I think his range is going to be compromised.
5: Hmm.
3: Um, and I think he's going to be playing with a brace that's going to make it uh, kind of a station-to-station guy. Uh, it's a shame because I think as a player, you know, he's a gamer, he's a guy that can provide oh, run production. Uh he was really signed because they weren't yet sold on Jeff McNeil. No. They, and, and that's the funny part about the criticism about the signing. In the past, the Mets have been criticized for not signing players and for hoping best-case scenario. Correct. And they didn't really do that with Alonzo and McNeil. And then they got criticized for, well, you didn't know what you had. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's fair. You should know your prospects better. But it was very hard for anybody to say, Going into last season, well, Jeff McNeil's a guy that get at three forty, make the All Star team, mm-hmm. and and be comfortable with certainly saying that because you just don't know. He had injury issues in the minor leagues. He had just emerged from a yeah. He's not a young a guy. I mean, before.
2: McNeil's young, but he's not a young guy.
3: No. You know, he's not twenty years old. No, and and the same thing with Alonzo. There were plenty of doubts about Alonzo. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes I think a lot of this prospect analysis is clouded with bias because the writers who um, you know write those rankings you know they have their favorites they have their scouts they'll go to so there's a lot of bias I think if you went behind the curtains and saw how teams with their own way of looking at players I think you'd get a little bit of a better view about how players look don't always go by what you read at Baseball America or Fangraphs there's a lot of their own little brew going there where they have their own kind of ways of looking at things that it's Everything fits in a neat package, and sometimes the team that you play for, uh, because they don't like that organization or they don't like sure. that general manager, could cloud a little bit of how they look at players.
2: Michael, so you like the 86-and-a-half, you like it over. I, I certainly yeah. hope you're right. The key to the Mets uh, this season, let's go offensively, we'll stay away from relief pitchers, is what?
3: I really think you need McNeil and Alonzo to be who they were last year. You really do, because... They are so much of the engine and the game changer of this offense. This offense was carried by them in the first half when nobody was performing. And then when other guys were complementary to them, they averaged over five runs a game. And if you hit that five runs or better a game, you 5.1, 5.2, they're going to win a lot of ball games, which is why they were so successful in the second half. They scored enough runs to complement a really good starting rotation and a bullpen that just – you know, was up and down, let's face it. So that was the one Achilles' heel, uh, but it was covered up a little bit because of those other two aspects going so well.
2: I'm going to give you one more number before I let you go. Over under? Mm-hmm. Ioannis Cespedes, 404 at-bats.
3: Uh, under. Under. Wait. I'm pretty confident on that. Yeah, I don't think he could play every day. Really? I think he thinks he wants to. I think he's going to try. If there was a designated hitter in the National League, I might feel different nobody's seen him cut yet, nobody's really seen him play the outfield. Um, if he's going to pinch hit, I mean, he's only going to get an at-bat here a couple of times a week until I see otherwise. Gotcha. And I, listen, I was wrong about this 10 years ago when Beltron had his microfracture surgery. Yep. And I was talking to a member of the team, I was having dinner with a member of the Mets at that point, and I just said, Beltron looks awful. He agreed with me. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I said, the guy's going to play two, three days a week, his contract's up. Here he is. He plays every day. He gets traded for Zach Wheeler. He goes on to have two or three good more you know good years, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's probably going to be in the maybe I should say not probably maybe be in the Hall of Fame.
2: I I you know I can't believe how quickly his contract got basically ripped up, and it didn't seem like there was any fighting from the Cespedes camp. Something must have gone on there that we really don't know about. Because, I think
1: they knew they were going to lose. Yeah, I, think they knew I mean they I, I never see, uh,
3: a hearing.
2: Wouldn't yeah, you agree that that I, I just happened that. so quick? Yeah, I'm
3: very surprised because it's very hard to right. enact a lot of these clauses. But, yeah. I mean, look, I think what's funny about that, it's really not funny, is that the amount of jokes about that. I mean, the guy could have died. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you know about boars, they're not. Mike, I, I've you. been chased by use, boars. They're, yeah, well, if you have, then you know that. That's a serious animal. That will kill you. He'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. he'll kill you. Um, the fact that he's messing around with them, you know, to me, I mean, it's his personal business. He wants to farm. He wants to go back to his roots. Give a guy credit. Oh, absolutely. All the money he's got. I mean, doing the things, living off the earth. That's his thing, you know. But remember, your passions outside of your job that affect you making a living. Um, you have to maintain them in a responsible way. And he didn't do that, and it cost him a lot of money. And uh,
2: boy, it would be great. It would be great to see him back playing because he could wreck games when he when he plays. And especially when he's been playing for the Mets, when he's in that lineup, they are a different team.
3: Even if they could have him for five days a week. Oh, that'd be um, great. Let know, him get forty eight bats a week. In, yeah. Yeah, let him come out in the six, and I agree. And like the the best part about this is they've grown up from 2015, 2016, where if they didn't have him in the lineup, they really couldn't score. So where now? It's like if he's in there, great. It adds another dimension in the next level,
2: maybe. Mike Silva, talking Mets. Where can they find you? Uh, www.talkingmetspodcast.com. No G. Talkingmetspodcast.com. And great segment, guys. I really
3: appreciate you having me on. Mike, thank you very much, and I hope you're right. Hey,
0: this
2: is Kevin Gallagher from Missing Valley Football and Wrestling, and I listen to Sports Eight Four Five. We are back. Sports Eight Four Five. Coming to you live from the WSUL studio
1: up here in beautiful Monticello, New York. Danny, what would you think of the interview with Mike Silva? Excellent. Real informative. I'm going to make it a point to uh, give him a follow for sure. Seems to really be passionate about the baseball. and uh, Loves the
2: Mets, and he's very good at covering the Mets. Real,
1: real good points he makes. I, I, I like the way he talks as well. Um, you know, I have a question, though. I know, Darren, you're really high on this guy, Noel, um, Nolan Arenado, that you really would love, love, love for the Mets to get. Is that correct? Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado. Here's what I can't figure out. I know things change, but what could possibly change within a year with the franchise? And the reason I ask you this is they sign him to a fortune, $230, $40, $50, $60 million, right? Mm-hmm. And the next year, they're thinking about maybe restructuring. This guy, Arenado, winds up putting up really good numbers. And there's talk about maybe restructuring and maybe trying to find a home for him that I don't think he really took much liking to.
2: I think Arenado really wants to just win. I don't know if he maybe he has some, you know, remorse in signing that deal. He sees, and you mentioned, I think it's 231 million. He's every bit as worth, you know, worth as much as Bryce Harper, who got 300. Garrett Cole got 334. You know, there's always more money to be made. He actually has an opt out after year three. And you know when a player, if a player were to opt out, it just means he's he's outdoing the contract. Believe it or not, you can outdo it. It, it, Arenado in three years might be a realistic contract. More so than you're you're thinking, you know, the Rockies overpaid for him, perhaps.
1: No, I'm not thinking that they overpaid for him. I'm just thinking that. How quick are they looking to move somebody like what they I don't think they're, they're not
2: looking to move him quickly. I think they're scared to death he Yeah, I think they'd actually like to see him opt out because I think the Rockies' mindset is maybe we made a mistake and we can't just win. They they haven't been able to surround him. They they haven't been able to get pitching for, since they've been since the
6: inception of the Rockies.
1: Mike Hampton?
2: Campton was, you know, he was okay there. Well,
6: but the biggest front to Rocky's face, hey, producer here behind the scenes, I'm showing up. Um, Arenado, as Darren, as you mentioned, best year by far that he's had in his entire career. Hit 315, 379 on base percentage. When was, Four- was this last year? Yeah, 41 bombs. Right. So and you're saying after getting paid. Yeah, and you're saying so now you're asking now why the hell would they want to back out from that deal after he's like outperforming the contract as you said. Well, not only the the opt-out clause, you got to think where the Rockies were 2 years ago and where the NL as a whole was, right? So 2018 was a season where you had two tiebreakers at the top divisions, the NL Central and the NL West. Rockies ended up getting second NL West, 91 and 72, Dodgers won it 92-71. After that season, they sign Arenado to that big long contract. They come back last year. They turn in a 71 and 91 season, while the Dodgers go to 106 56. And the Dodgers have only gotten better. So then, at that point, you're all, you're not going to win the NL West anymore. Which in 2018, when they signed him, Correct. they were trying to win the NL West. Now you're you're going for essentially a wild card spot at that point. Uh, the Diamondbacks are a better team, and you're going to compete with the NL Central, who has uh, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Reds now, who are all formidable playoff teams. That doesn't even throw in the NL East. You were talking about the Mets. You're talking about the Braves, the Nationals, who just won the World Series, for God's sakes. So now they're competing for a second in a wildcard spot, essentially. And they have this boatload of cash because one year after they sign a contract, it has absolutely nothing to do with Arenado and absolutely everything to do with the Dodgers getting better and the lack of performance of everyone around Nolan Arenado. The one thing I do I have a question for you for, <laughs> sure. and,
2: and I'll make another comment, is, I, I don't believe Arenado had his best year ever last year. Arenado's uh,
6: been great every year. He's been great every year, but he had his so home run, if you're looking at home run wise, so okay. he had 41 bombs. His highest ever is 42 in 2015. Okay. Batting average wise, by far his as highest, as 315. Next closest was 309 in 2017. But that year, his power But he's numbers a went lifetime
2: down. 300 hitter. Isn't he's he? a
6: lifetime 295. 295. In, but you're what about talking RBIs. RBIs. His RBIs were lower, 118. His highest was 133. Okay. So those are. Lower, You're but the also team performed talking lower. about
2: the best defensive third baseman. Absolutely, we've that seen since Brooks Robinson. Now, a lot of people will say to me and say oh, to anybody, "He plays in Colorado." So did DJ LeMayhew. A lot of yeah. Nolan Arenado's a baseball player. Oh, he's I one of the best his in the game. Splits are better at home than they are away. But 90% of the league, no.
6: their splits are better at home than they are when they're. Well, he's a great player, but the point is because Danny was right because his his. Point on it was why would you sign somebody to this big deal? Now, at this point, they're saying, Well, all we got out of this because we're not going to be able to compete in the NL West and probably in the NL as a whole for the next three years. And if we're not winning, Arenado says all he wants to do is win, then he's going to opt out after that third year and he's going to be gone. We he's don't only have to
2: opt out if he's playing well,
6: right? Well, I agree with you on that, but assuming he does, we sh- have no evidence that he's going to fall off. So if he d- if he opts out then you have nothing. You literally have nothing there after two years of him on a ginormous contract where you haven't been able to sign anybody else. And then on top of that, the Dodgers are only getting better. They signed Mookie Betts or trade for Mookie Betts and David Price. They're getting better. Man, that division's gonna be tough. And on top of that, they have no way to get around it and have no trade really leverage at yeah, that see, point. Because that's if that's he's gonna, know. if they trade him if they trade him, then let's say he goes to I don't know. Pick a random team. The Rays, Mets, whatever. He's
2: not going to the Rays.
6: Yeah, but I'm just saying pick a team. And he doesn't like it there, and he can back out.
2: When you say pick a team, you can only pick about nine teams in baseball that could take arenado
6: no that's true but i'm saying when i say pick a team i mean right, whatever right. team he go would go to theoretically and he doesn't like it there they only have him for two years so well, their leverage is next to none outside of you getting one of the best players in the game for maybe two years and that's what they're operating off of too so danny brought it up i just thought it was an interesting thing and yeah no, and people sense don't though. people don't talk about it and Talk about because it really was that between the twenty eighteen performance of the Rockies and Dodgers, mm-hmm. they thought they were gonna keep up with the Dodgers and they didn't. That's mm-hmm. really as simple as it was. And he had a
1: career, yeah. And yep. the Dodgers,
6: a team
2: that has won nothing.
6: Has has nothing to do with Arenado. Right. Literally but the Dodgers nothing. have won nothing. And that's why and I understand everybody should be high in Arenado. Everybody sure. should be trying to get him if you can, because yeah. he's on the leader in the
2: clubhouse they said was the St. Louis Cardinals. We're making the most progress in, yeah. in getting Arenado. So anyway, there's that. Let me give you some over-unders. And next week, we're going to pick our over-unders for the season. Danny, let me just give you some. Cole, you could play too here. You guessed the total. Uh, I'm going to give you the team. Guess the total. You ready, Cole? Well, if you don't want to guess, fine. Here you go. The uh, New York Yankees, 101 and a half. I will always take the under. Okay, the let me give you some other the Phillies are eighty five point five. Let me just run them down. Tampa Rays, eighty nine point five, Rangers seventy nine point five, Blue Jays seventy five, the Nationals ninety point five. The Boston Red Sox eighty four point five. I think the Over. Red Sox would love to win eighty four games. I don't think they're You don't
1: think to, they're gonna get there? No. Huh. no. I would like to do a spread. I would like to buy the Phillies at eighty five and sell the Yankees at one on one and a half. Yeah. That'd be my play. Yeah, The Dodgers. And that's mean, not an anti-Yankee thing. They're just banged up injuries,
2: et cetera. The Dodgers you just talked about, Cole, 101 and a half. Uh, let's see, the Mets we said are 86 and a half. I feel
6: like you almost have to take the under on the Dodgers, right? Or like anybody that you're going to say is going to be at 101, I don't know because that's still a tough division.
2: Well, here's what you got to do. When you take, uh, you know, the key to the to any team in the NL winning going over is how many times they play the Marlins and how many times they beat them. Yeah. I mean, in the Yankee division alone, you're going to have 70 games against the Orioles. The you know I can't. The, the Red Sox are bad this year. They really are. The Blue Jays. I mean, that's who you're playing against. Um, you know, we'll get into this next week when we when we pick our. I picks. think
6: the AL has has the better teams, but I think the NL has a more balanced
2: happy, you know, I mean, listen, landscape as a whole. We mentioned the Cincinnati Reds, a team on the com, 83 yeah. and a half. Another team, you could say, is on the come. They signed Machado, and they, they are. You, know, yeah, you can make fun there. of them, but the Padres are 82 and a half. Um, here's the worst team in baseball. Uh, the worst team in baseball has to be the Tigers. Where are the Tigers? Tigers are 56 and a half. I think you almost <laughs> have to go over there.
6: I went to school in Michigan. All my buddies are Tigers fans. So that cracks me up.
2: But, you yeah. know, we'll see, and we'll get into that next week. Uh, can you overlays.
6: imagine being a Tigers fan? You have David Price, Max Scherzer. <laughs> oh, who is, who, somebody else was there, too, at the time. Well, they had Miguel Cabrera uh, there too. well, Miguel Cabrera, but they had another ace on that staff beyond those two. And it doesn't matter. But uh, um, that Scherzer and David Price. They had, yeah, they had one other guy that was top. Well, you seater. would know. I can't. I can't. Yeah, uh, I can't. Uh, Max, uh, Max, Scherzer, right? Anyway. Oh,
2: uh, you know. The, okay, so that's baseball. We'll get into it next week. You know, Danny, we have college basketball March Madness. The tournaments have started. The big tournaments uh, continue this week. But um, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun at the casino. We're gonna pick some pick some teams here. You get great odds on everybody.
1: It's a, you know it's a great time of the year and having this casino local. Go in and you want to play some totals and mm-hmm. you know pick teams. Maybe get like a little bit of a long shot. Which by the way, I'm still sticking to my West Virginia. Uh, what are West like tw- Virginia's twenty five to twenty five to one. And look what the, you know. I'm not big on Baylor anyway. Have not been the entire year along with San Diego State. Well, that's, hold on. Give me some credit here for weeks. I don't ask for credit often. Pretty much every week,
2: but not, you know, not multiple times. I told you San Diego State was a fake team.
1: Fair enough. They had nobody on every schedule. Every week, I told you that's that. a big win for West Virginia. Very big win. West and Virginia, absolutely. Wait, wait, that's wait. a big win. West West Virginia beat Baylor.
2: Oh yes, I thought we were still on San Diego State. Sorry, no, no,
1: no. I I, I mentioned both. Like I wasn't big yes. on Baylor and San Diego sure. State. You for sure were adamant with San Diego State, and I would agree. That's a big win for West Virginia. You know, um, listen. Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton, 1-2-3, right? That, that, that hasn't changed. Top three teams. Then you have Florida State moving up three, four spots to the number four. Baylor dips a little bit. San Diego State dips a little bit. Then you got Creighton, Kentucky, um, Michigan State, and Duke rounds out the top ten pretty much. Uh, Duke and Kansas are your two favorites,
2: 9-1 to and 8-1 to respectively. Um, why can't I find Dayton on here? I don't think Dayton's winning at all, but they're worth the play. Dayton is Dayton's. Well, Dayton's three in the country
1: at the moment. They yeah, really I bunch, just don't see
2: them here. Maybe they'd be part of the field. Field is nine to one. They, but this is a fraudulent thing. They have North Carolina at fifty to one. North Carolina's not in the tournament.
1: They're, North Carolina has to win the ACC tournament, correct? The only way them.
2: they're in is if they
1: win the ACC tournament. Yeah, and Duke kind of slapped them up a little bit, you know. And Duke's uh, a better team. Yeah, they year.
2: are. We have a call. We'll take the call. Hello, this is Sports Eight Four Five. Who do I have? I Jimmy from Staten Island on the line. Jimmy, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. Jimmy, if I don't speak to you, I want to be the first to wish you a happy Pesach. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Jimmy, what's up?
1: Jimmy, thanks so much for calling in. What's on your mind today? Well, my favorite time of year,
5: Championship Week. Starts tonight. I get to watch a little uh, Mount St. Mary's, a little Gonzaga against San Francisco. And then Wednesday starts the Big East. And the eight ten. I think, starts Wednesday, too, and then just rolls to there. It, it is uh,
2: Jimmy. It is an unbelievable year, uh, unbelievable time of the year. And you're right. It starts tonight. You got the Southern Conference or the Mid American Conference final. You got a, a lot going on. It's uh, you got the big ones: the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, all going on this week. And it culminates with Selection Sunday. I said to Danny before, and I made a mistake, Danny. I said Kansas and Duke are your favorites, respectively, at nine and eight to one. Gonzaga is actually the favorite to win it all at seven to one. Jimmy, who do you like, and
5: why? Well, I like Gonzaga. The front court is big, good guard play. Uh, you know, it's, it's a toss up, really. Michigan State's always going to be in there. Oh, Michigan State's always going to be one of my favorites. I, I, I made a mistake yesterday. I went against him. I took Ohio State, which I didn't, or I wasn't happy about. But I really can't tell yet. I don't know by Sunday. But by selection Sunday, I have my four picked. Now Jimmy you are going to have go your with-
1: four picks right? Now do you have anybody that you like maybe that's little, little maybe greater than it's like a 10 to 1? You know listen when when you get into these when you get into this tournament and guys you know maybe you know pick up a few bucks. Oh I had this team at you know 25 to 1 and when you got to see it all around right and it may happen. But that is a little bit lucky. But there are some teams that are probably in between the 10 to maybe 15 to never 1. Never before like this year. Right. This year you it's it's never been like this. And, it-
2: every year previous you have Three favor- the 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 four one seeds, every one of them can win it. You can go here and take the top sixteen. Any one of the sixteen teams
5: can win it. Well, Dayton, they say Dayton might get a number one slot. Dayton's gonna get a number one seed right now.
1: They should, to the three in the country, playing really good ball. They will get a, a one. San now, Diego State dropped they, to a two or a three.
5: They, I don't think San Diego State, even though they only lost one, deserve a number one, being that they had a conference play, really.
1: San Diego State has two loss, I think, Jimmy. Yeah, Utah State yeah, two beat them
5: Yep. Utah beat them like, Yeah, Saturday So do you it. have anybody you that think court. maybe, you know, Who's maybe.
1: dark horse? That That's the point I'm trying to get to, James. I'm going
5: to say uh, Seton Hall, Canisius, somebody out of the Big East. Canisius.
1: Canisius, really? That is, Jimmy, I got news for you. You'll be able to feed Canisius yourself for a not, month if that is. Canisius is not going to make the
2: NIT, but Seton Hall is a good call, Jimmy. Did Seton I say it Hall, wrong to me? Maybe, oh, Creighton. I'm saying Creighton. Gotcha. Seton Hall, Miles Powell. I mean, Seton Hall could definitely cause some damage there. Definitely. And Creighton, listen, love their coach. They've always done well. They're a good tournament team. They, they, you know, they're no longer a shock.
5: No, nobody is a shock anymore. It's not like when Butler won it the first time, you know, and they shocked the world, or VCU.
2: No, yeah. Every year you get those, uh, you know, those teams, and this year again, I can't keep saying it enough. You're going to have teams that you're going to get great lines on these teams, and you're going to have a surprise at the end. But I do believe, you know, when I say surprise, I think you're going to have a, a a sweet sixteen that is going to have nine or ten teams that that never
5: have been there before. Well, that's that that would that would be uh, that would be amazing and fun at the same time. Yep. I'll tell you a team, Danny, uh, I like. I like
2: Florida State. I like Auburn. Auburn, too. I like Auburn. Auburn had a good run last year. They got a good coach in Bruce Pearl. They're very athletic. Watch the defense. Florida State plays. They're good.
1: But Florida State's now on the map, right? So, you know, they moved up a, a couple of spots. I think they were seven or eight last week. They're now number four. Really good defense. Coached well. They're kind of on the scene. I'm still sticking with... And this is strictly a long shot. I mean, I'm taking Kansas-Kentucky in my Final Four, you know, in my pools and stuff. But I want to take West Virginia. I'm telling you, that's a big win against them for Baylor. Huggins is a really good coach. He gets these kids to play. He gets them motivated. The problem with
2: WVU, Danny, and, and I'm agreeing with you, I like Huggins, I like the team this year, is to win this tournament, you have to play great for five days. Right. And I don't know if WVU can do that. I think they could beat any team in the country on any given day. But it's very tough. You know, you can also – you can get picked off at any time. But a team like WVU to win it all, and I'd love to see it. And, you know, they're just as – they have sure. just as good a chance as anybody. I just don't see them doing it uh, – them and a bunch of other teams for that long of a stretch. Half of them are going to play on Thursday and they're going uh, to win on Saturday on the big game. That's, yeah, I agree with you, Jimmy. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, you know, Let's, you got the – the Masters coming up at the end of of, this, of the month, the first week in April. It's a great year. It's a great time of year.
1: And you have the NFL
2: Draft. The NFL Draft. Is it September yet? Yeah, can't wait. Jimmy, thank you for the call. Um, Danny, next week, be prepared. Over-unders in baseball. Study up. We're going to go to the sports book. We're going to play some wagers down on the NCAA tournament. Study up there. And we also we'll, maybe we'll play around with some Masters stuff. Anything else you want to add?
1: Was I unprepared today?
2: No, you're always
1: prepared. <laughs> thank Very you. Very prepared.
2: Berkman Financial, we thank them. That's berkmanfinancial.com or Danny at berkmanfinancial.com. Pick up the phone and dial 646 753 5554. Gold Dental, 60 Jefferson Professional Plaza, right here in Monticello. Uh, you could reach either one of us. You can reach me at, at Darren Kunis on Twitter or Danny at Botch56 on Twitter. You can listen to us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us anywhere. We thank you. We thank the callers, and we will be back next week.
1: Yes, folks, remember, it's all about you. I want to wish all the Section 9 teams, boys and girls, good luck in the tournament. I will get to as many games as I can. I do have a family. I do have a job, but I love my Section 9 hoops. Be safe and act accordingly.